I sound so desperate. My God. Ladies, if you're looking for a 20-something who is enthusiastic about the game of basketball, just let me know. Yeah. Let's go! Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash holybackboard. Over 180,000 titles to choose from on your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. All right, everybody. Welcome to the 48th edition of the Holy Backboard podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man. Sage chilling, man. It's been a... It's been a long time since we've done one of these. I'm extremely happy to be back at it. I mean, you, you your boy was out of the country. For I a know. Bit. Me, like, I had no idea how much talking to you was like my human interaction for, for the day. Like when you when when you were in out of the country, I was like looking through my phone trying to find that person to talk to. <laughs> so I was hitting up. Ladies that I haven't talked to since 2010, people I just like haven't talked to in years. So having you back is a huge boost to my actual talking to humans. Because all I do did was talk with my mom about like basketball and shit. And she, as much as she loves basketball, she doesn't know like the huge like RPMs and stuff like that. So I'm glad to have you back. Well, it's good to be back in. Uh... I don't know who had more separation anxiety, Bassy or you. Oh, easily me. Easily <laughs> me. I was, I, like, you were gone for one full week before NBA 2K17 came out, so I was just bored. Just not, I wasn't doing anything. So I, I, once 2K came out, it, it, it was a little easier for me to just function. I, I had a goal to do. I didn't have anything else. I was playing 2K trying to make my guy better so now that you're back i mean i I, i'm more focused i can talk with people it's a good it's a good look all around well i'm glad i can help (laughs) your transition back into society yeah (laughs) i mean since i've been working at home all i've been doing is wearing shorts and a t-shirt so it's like i don't really need to talk to people so you were like the one outlet i sound so desperate my god (laughs) Ladies, if you're looking for a 20-something who is enthusiastic about the game of basketball, just let me know. Yeah, straight up. Well, it is good to be back because I had a long day at work. It's going to be a hell of a week. It's so much to do, but I knew there was a game tonight, and it just it gives you something to look forward to and to start doing these weekly podcasts again. And this is our first official 2017 season podcast. I know we previewed the division before I left, but now we actually have a fan fest. We have one full preseason game under our belts to actually look at the team, see maybe what they could become. Obviously, it's just one preseason game, so we don't want to go too crazy. But it's amazing to be back. I look forward to these podcasts every week. And, you know, Sage, let's just dive right in. Um Let's talk about this first preseason game, just high level. Blazers, 98-89 victory. It really wasn't that close. 
you know, they actually got down 13 to 2, finished on a, a 28 to 15 run at the end of the first quarter, and then the bench came in, and Utah just didn't have the horses to keep up with, with us. And our depth and our three point shooting and just our defense. Like, we have so many different weapons that if Terry Stotts can find the right recipe, and it's, every night's going to be a different recipe, There's, it's not cookie cutter here with this team. Um, he's going to have to match up. He's going to have to earn, earn his stripes this season. He's a great coach, but if he can take the next step, just like we're expecting the players to take the next step, I think that's really where the Trailblazers will see a lot of success, is if Terry can outcoach his counterpart on the other sideline, the Blazers have enough talent that they're going to win more times than not. So what, what is your strategy when it comes to like preseason, summer league, any of those games? Do you like look at anything, or do you just take it as the game comes? Like, I think preseason and summer league are two completely different animals. Summer league is literally pick-up ball mm. at the park. Fair I enough. Mean, you've probably got two to three guys who are going to make your team. Um, and then a bunch of other people who are probably just looking to get scouted for European squads. So when you're looking at Summer League, if you have a rookie coming in, you want to see them play well. Like we saw Damian, we saw Brandon, you saw Anthony Davis. They have that look. And once you see that look, that's all you need to know about that player in Summer League. And the rest is, oh, he could be good, he could be not. Like we've seen Jared Bayless win MVP, and now he's just a journeyman. And Nicholas Batum looked just completely lost, and he ended up starting on a team that won 54 games as a 19-year-old rookie. So it's really hard to draw conclusions in Summer League. There's a lot more structure mm. in preseason basketball, and there is more time in between games. It's almost more like a regular NBA season because you're not playing back-to-back or you know the, the three games and four nights all the time. And you have your main pieces out there. In Summer League, you know, you might have just rookie leadership. Now you've got the vets. The vets are in there. You've got the full coaching staff's attention. And you've got more of a, of a feel. There's going to be more fans in the stands. The games are going to be televised more often. Um, just more people are going to start be paying attention. So it just has that real feel to it. So when I watch this game, you also want to take into consideration what the other team is doing. Are they playing their scrubs or are they mm -hmm. treating this like a regular season game? To me, through three quarters, Utah was treating this like a regular season game. To, a, to an extent, the Blazers were too. Like, Damian and CJ weren't logging a ton of minutes, but Gordon Hayward was out there a ton. So Favors. was Gobert. Favors. Um, Rodney Hood. Joe Johnson got a little bit of run. He probably would have had more in a regular season game. Same with George Hill. But the fact of the matter is, both teams played their players quite a bit, and Portland really took it to them. And that's what you want to see. Like, this is a team that a lot of experts and pundits and analysts, whatever you want to call them, around the league think can challenge Portland for the top spot in the Northwest Division. A lot of them are calling them the surprise team of the NBA. Um, yes, Utah is a very good basketball team, especially when they get on that home court. They play really good brand of defensive basketball. But what I noticed tonight is if you can open it up and get dr drill penetrate and kick it out to your shooters. If you have shooters out there, that takes everything away from Utah's defense because it is based upon Rudy Gobert dominating and just kind of patrolling that paint. And if you open it up by shooting the jump shot, you're, you're essentially taking him out of the game because he is not a factor on the offensive end of the court. So for me, when I watch preseason, it's first I, I don't really pay attention to scoring, but I pay attention to hustle stats like rebounding, assists, good defense, 
being able to close out on your guy, I take that. Like, because if you're not an epically good shooter like Damian Lillard, you can go 5 for 12, you can go 3 for 12, 7 for 12. There's a lot of variance in that. But hustle stats, that's what gets me excited about a certain player or thinking this guy might not be right for this team or this league. You you can never get too high or too low on a, a player for preseason. It's not what it really matters. And it's true, and it is just one game. Mm. So I know a lot of people are going to be super high on Shabazz Napier, who plays 17 minutes, scores 11 points on 4 of 6 shooting, jumper looked wet, it looked wet and fan-fest as well. Um, he, see, he's, a type of, he's another type of player who didn't show me very much in Summer League. Again, I think he had that injury and he had just gotten traded to Portland, but again, he didn't dominate like you would have thought the most outstanding college basketball player in 2014 would have. LeBron's and, point guard of the cal- and class. LeBron's favorite point guard. So he came in with all this, this burden. But now that he's in a backup role, he's not starting, he's going to get a spot minutes, but he's got Damon CJ. He is not going to command any attention on the defense, so he can just go to work. Mm-hmm. And when he does that, he can do that. But... You know, if he comes back the next game and shoots two for seven, don't all of a sudden think this guy is a scrub. You've got to look at the big picture in preseason. Like, look at his averages once these, you know, six or seven preseason games are over, and then look at the whole story. Use your eyes as well. Um, just watch how he's playing. Is he taking good shots? Like, is the form there? Is he using his legs? Is he shooting too much? Is he hesitant? So just kind of, you know, let see your own eye test. Does he pass that eye test? The first game, absolutely. And what I love about preseason is you get a chance to see these type of players and you get a chance to hear like, oh, Mo Harkless is killing it in training camp. You know, Pat Connaughton's jumper is looking fantastic in training camp. We've always heard these training camp rumors. I mean, it started probably in the Clyde days, but I remember most about when we acquired Sean Kemp after uh, the, I think uh, the summer of 2000. And it was like, Sean Kemp is in the best shape of his career. He's going to be back to his Sonic days. You know, 15-year-old Dustin was eating that shit up. <laughs> Obviously, it was so fabricated, and hyperbole was at its peak. So to actually watch these games and see Mo Harkless look like a fucking beast. Yeah. I mean, the, CJ's not lying. Like, the dude looks amazing. Alan Crabb, another player I was so in- intrigued to watch. How is he going to take his game to the next level? Man, he's putting that ball on the floor, that one hand, um, you know, that runner. He's really waiting for those defenders to push him off the three-point line, and he's going to make them pay. So the next time the defender comes out, he might not close out enough, and that's a three in your face. So Alan Crabb did an amazing job this summer. And the team, like we talked about earlier, there's just so many parts and so many weapons. So if Terry can utilize them and find that magic recipe going to be a very difficult team to contend with because you don't know where you're going to get it from on a nightly basis. Yeah, I, li- I like that Crab was, had like a counter move to his three-point shot, this spot up. That's a pretty big deal for a shooter to be able to move from his spot, dribble a few times, get a floater in. That's, that's going to add something to his repertoire. I mean, 15 points on 6 of 9 shooting, 2 of 3 from 3, nothing look forced. What I love most, though, the four assists. He's not only shooting off of that dribble, he is a threat to pass the ball. He is a true triple threat player, and you've got to love that if you're Neil O'Shea. He took a lot of flack. The whole organization did for matching that incredible offer that Brooklyn threw at him. But when he makes plays like that, and he may not average over 10 points a game. There's just so much talent on this team. There's only so many minutes to go around. There's only one basketball. 
but when he gets his chance, is he making the most of it? And is, is the team winning? That's ultimately what it boils down to. I would bet that nearly every player on this roster, their numbers might be down across the board. Maybe Damon and CJ stay the same or go up just a little bit. But this team is so loaded that everyone's, they're going to have to just be, and I'll kind of put it into baseball terms, a pinch hitter. Like, you're going to get a couple chances. Can you come in off the bench cold and, and, just, and make a play? Because you're, some players may not get that eight to nine minute chance to get into their rhythm. You're going to have to be ready to come in and, and contribute. And uh, I think we've got players who are kind of a instant offense type of guys. And, as you mentioned, hustle. We've got a lot of hustle guys on this team mm-hmm. as well. And if we're winning, I think that's that's all good. I think people are willing to to sacrifice their stats and what they are accustomed to when it's winning. But if losing happens, that should be interesting if people start to complain about the playing time or anything like that. But as long as they keep winning, it really isn't a problem. Yeah, you've got winning, but you've also got a culture here. And you've got a leader in Damian Lillard who... He's experienced the bad times here in Portland. I believe we lost like seven straight, and it wasn't going well. But he righted the ship, and the team goes as Dame goes, and he's about as even-keeled as they come. So if Portland does experience a losing streak, one, don't worry. It happens for all teams. There's a lot of ebbs and flows through an 82-game season. Marathon, not a sprint. Exactly. Two, Dame He's, he's been there before. He's not going to let it get to him. And three, a lot of these guys already got their contract. So if you're not going to get – that's what usually causes a rift in locker room. It's like, shit, this is my contract year, and I'm not getting enough time. Like winning was making me feel good. Don't worry about it. A lot of these guys already got their money. I, Mason is the only free agent we've got coming up next year um, that's really going to be in the rotation. So – I don't see that being a problem. You know, I'm knocking on wood right now, but Portland is in very good hands with this culture that, that Dame and Neil Olshay and Terry Stotts has instilled since 2012 when they all you know kind of came together. But Sage, what do you make of the starting lineup of, you know, obviously you've got Dame and CJ in the backcourt, Big Mace at, at the five, but then they, they went back with the playoff lineup of Aminu and Harkless. Uh, I thought they might go with Crab, but... With Crab's ability to score on the on the offensive end and Harkless's defense and you know kind of three and D mentality, I really think this could be the starting lineup that we see the majority of nights. Well, you don't need to have all your firepower in the in your starting five. It's exactly. good to have some off the bench so Evan Turner and Crab can really take charge of that second unit. And it's not like any one of those guys is going to play less than rotation minutes so everyone's gonna get their time so if terry feels more comfortable with having some firepower off the bench that's fantastic mo fills the role of playing playing d and if he can hit threes that's all the better you don't need five superstar scorers exactly i couldn't i couldn't agree more and i think it's just it's a puzzle how do these pieces fit and i think that starting five they've had success together at some of the highest moments in basketball so why not go back to that? Well, uh, agree. Evan Turner needs to come off the bench as that um, second ball handler once Dame and CJ, you know, get their first breather. And Crab has sixth man of the year type potential. So it, to me, it makes a lot of sense. But what I loved most about this game is 
the energy that they brought. They they looked like an improved defensive team. For the first time under Terry Stotts, I think he actually has a team that could be an above above average. And by above average, I mean a top 15 defense. They've got length, they've got determination, and they've got the athleticism, and they've got the depth. Those are four key ingredients to a good defensive team. And... They were playing the passing lanes. They were playing some great discipline, man-on-man defense. And closing out really hard, too. Closing out. If you were to say, like, who was supposed to be the better defensive team of these two, yes, I know, first preseason game, you wouldn't have been able to tell the difference. And Utah was supposed to come in as one of the best, if not the best defensive team. And Portland looked great. If they can play with that intensity, again, it is a long season. But that's what's going to take this team from a 44-win Cinderella story into a God damn, I do not want to play this team in the playoffs. They might sneak up on you and make the Western Conference Finals. They got to play that type of defense. I, I've just been, I've been swooning for Damian Lillard almost ever since I saw the license to Lillard YouTube clips. He won Rookie of the Year. You know, he came out and killed it in Summer League. Followed it up with the point nine. I mean, so many clutch performances, and he, you know, he cemented that with that point nine against Houston. He chose to be with this team. He extended with this team when everybody else left. And then he led us to the playoffs the second round last year. So this guy has just been, you know, the face of the franchise. And it's almost like he he trolls Laker fans on Twitter. Like he wants to retire as a trailblazer. He says all of the things that we have wanted a superstar to say in Portland for years. And he just embraces that mentality of, of being like Portland's son. Like he is... You know, I know he grew up in Oakland, but like he, we claim him as ours now. But I'm gonna read um, a quote from a Jason Quick article, and if you haven't read it yet, please do. It's on. Um, he, he tweeted it out, but it's called "Damien's Daydream: A Parade in Portland," and it gives me hope. Like you, you hear the Warriors and they go out and they get Durant. Okay, you know, that might put a, a little bit of a damper. You're going to have to get that umbrella out. It's raining on us a little bit. Yeah. We don't know if we're going to contend. But you get a guy like Damien who wants it a little bit more. He's willing to work in the gym, get up at 6. He's starting 7 a.m. workouts before practice even starting this, this summer. And he says he's having these, these daydreams and, and it can happen whether he's watching NBA TV or whatnot, but he and his teammates, they're in a parade down Broadway past El Gaucho, past the Benson Hotel, and it's us in the cars right there, and they're celebrating the championship. Um, he's had an Instagram post about five weeks ago just clutching the Larry, Obar- Larry O'Brien trophy, and I'm trying to read this. I just clicked on the the IG post and it says the kid be having dreams about that parade on Broadway. CJ McCollum, what's up? So to know that this is on his mind, when many people say, you know, we're we're good, but we're not that good. That shows me like he wants it. He is not settled until he gets it. Yes, he. I'm sure he's thankful that we made it to the second round, but he knows that we can't just be excited or satisfied to get to the second round. This year, it's like, okay, who's our next opponent? They're going to be the next ones to get bounced because we're moving on to the, the final four, the conference finals. This is something that I didn't expect to read coming into the season, and I don't expect the Blazers to win the championship this year, but 
again, Dame is just 26 years old. This team is still one of the youngest teams in the NBA. I don't think a rotation player is over the age of 28 years old. So there's a lot of time for this, this team to, to grow and to gel. And with this mindset, if you put this goal up there and you continue to look at it and believe and you see it every single day, sooner or later, it can come to fruition. And you know, I think it starts with, with your leader. If he's thinking championship, it's going to fall right down the line. And that you start doing championship things. And I go to the Oregon Ducks when they had Chip Kelly, the win the day. You don't have to beat your opponent. Like you don't have to like obviously you do, but you don't have to like game. <laughs> oh, we got a game plan for the Jazz. Like this is the only. Thing. No, you got to win the practice. Are you there? Are you doing your shit early? Are you staying after practice late? Are you doing the little things? Are you hustling during the game? So if you just take these little steps, all of a sudden you're going to be reaching your goal. And I just I love the kid, and uh, he's well on his way to becoming the best blazer of all time if he can just get us even to a couple finals appearances because he says all the right things um makes big shots he's an amazing leader i mean if you think about where we were this time last year just i was going out of limb predicting 30 what 37 wins or something like that um and people were thinking you were crazy optimistic about it and where we're at now i mean it's it's a testament just how special this guy is so don't take him for granted so you gotta you gotta be you gotta very cherish. thankful for uh, a, a guy like him. He's exactly. a PR person's dream. I mean, he, he's already got the shoe deal. I think he knows that this is a, this goal. It's a pretty lofty goal, and if he mm-hmm. achieves it, it's awesome. But it's, there's a lot of hard work between that parade in Portland and right this second. There's got to be a lot of lucky things that happen. But if he continues to strive for what he wants. We got a chance, and and hope to God the Warriors don't have continuity at all. But that's the thing. This this is almost shaping up. And I don't want to, you know, obviously say we're as good as the two thousand Blazers or the Warriors are as dominant as the two thousand Lakers. Neither team is suited up for a regular season game. But it almost feels like that David versus Goliath, where you've got the Warriors who are the dominant team. They're likely going to go and win the regular season, you know, hands down, um, just like Shaq and Kobe did. But Portland of the 2000s, while this team we have now definitely has more chemistry, that 2000s team was deep. They played defense. They were long, and they could score when they needed to. And, you know, they were eight minutes away from defeating that team. They really close. So I would love to see that type of rivalry between these two teams um, begin, especially after that playoff series last year. Um, so who knows? But that, that would be something fun to look forward to. And it's just an article that caught my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you see so many articles come out during preseason about who's looking good, who's doing this, who's doing that. But to see your star player really want to give something back to the fans, you know, because we invest so much emotionally into this team, to see a player who feels the same way and probably reciprocates that tenfold because Nobody sees exactly what he does behind the scenes or the hard work it takes to be Damian Lillard. We think, oh, he just plays basketball for a living. It's more than a, it's more than a 9-to-5. I mean, it's mm. a 4 7 365. I mean, to be perfectly honest, yeah, he gets compensated well, but what I love about him is he says, you get paid, are you, are you going to show up now? Are you going to do the little things still? Or are you just going to be like, you know, 
rests on your laurels and we know you were just blowing smoke up our ass to, to get that contract. Early on, it, it definitely looks like all of the Blazers, every single one of them who got paid, they're ready. Like they, they play basketball for the love. Getting money is a perk, but like let's let's get these wins. For you, the listeners of the Holy Backboard Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial for you to check out their service. I personally recommend Breaks of the Game by David Halberstein. It's one of the best books about the Portland Trailblazers I've ever read. It honestly is one of the best basketball books I've ever read. To download a free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash holdybackboard. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash holdybackboard for your free audiobook. And now back to the show, and thank you audible.com for making this show a reality with your sponsorship. plus to like mine so of course you won because of the success how many victories do you see the blazers this year predicting the actual victory is pretty difficult but i'd say between 46 and 52 i know that's oh, pretty that's too no no okay, you got you got to pick a number bro 49 49 okay i think we're a little off what do you I think, think? What, i think you're a little light what okay what what is yours Without looking at the schedule and playing schedule maker, just going by feel. You know me. I wear the, the rose-colored glasses with without shame. 57 wins, baby. And that, that that would be third seed? To me, yeah. Okay. I think this team, they might start out a little bit slower than we had all anticipated, but that April is home cooking, like, mm. like we discussed in an earlier episode podcast. The team is going to be also very deep. So I think they're going to hit their stride once other teams are going through the dog days of, of NBA winter. And they're going to be able to beat teams just because they're so much more fresh. And like I said, that April, when you get that home streak and you're winning games, you're going to start climbing up instead of climbing down. So I think just bear with this team. If they start out a little bit slow, if they're playing maybe 500 basketball, no need to hit the panic button. It is going to take a little bit of time to incorporate this, this rotation. It, it's not like there's a bunch of new players on the team, but everyone's fucking better. No one knew Mo Harkless was this good this time last year. No one knew Alan Crabb was this good this time last year. Now you're also remember Gerald Henderson was hurt um, this time last year. Now you have a healthy Evan Turner in his spot. What are they going to do when Festus and Myers are ready? And Noah, there's just a lot of moving parts. And also, when you play a deep rotation, as we mentioned, guys are only going to get a certain amount of time. So if you're not in rhythm, it, it might take them a while to get into that rhythm. Um, you might only be getting five-minute shifts instead of what you're used to getting eight and nine. So that, that, that's always you know a drawback of having a deep rotation. So it's, it's going to take this team a little bit of time. I don't expect them to come out like gangbusters. Um, the schedule's a little bit difficult out of the gate. But... They've got Dame and CJ. When things go tough, you lean on those two. They'll make you the big buckets. As long as they can avoid like the three-game losing streaks or losing four out of seven, something like that, think of it like baseball. Can you win two out of every three games? You win those type of series, you're going to be in great shape come October, in this case, April. And the Blazers, they play in a semi-easy division. you got to rack up those wins when you see teams like the Nuggets on the schedule when you see the Thunder without KD on the schedule and just take take advantage 
there's there's a there's a basic formula to get at least 50 wins. Mm-hmm. You win 30 games at home and you go 500 on the road. This team's much better than winning 30 games at home. They have one of the best home court advantages. So if you can not only win 30 but be elite at home and continue that 500 road trip, I mean that's where I'm getting that 55, 57. I'm ultimately going to go 57 just because I am a homer. I, I'm not ashamed of it, but. I really think this team is, they're thinking that they have the right mindset, and that's just as important as all the talent in the world. I like it. I mean, you, you always are the optimistic one of the two of us for some reason, but 57's a lot. Oh, it's a lot. That's but, eliteness, which I wouldn't mind, but that's, a, you know. But the Blazers were playing at a 55 win pace last year with the same starting lineup, and I think they only got better. So. That, that's, you know, good 57. And I don't think there's many better teams in the Western Conference than Portland. I think, yes, Golden State is, is your Goliath up top. But other than that, every team has question marks. I think Portland, of those bunches, is the team with the least amount of question marks. And I think they're more on the rise than you've got teams like the Clippers and Grizzlies and Spurs, who they're probably on the decline. Like, these are maybe their last years up there. Portland, this is our time. Our time is starting now. I got so some that's, hot takes about those teams. Oh my god, I'm I'm looking forward to it. So, you know, okay, looking forward to it. Let's let's go into it now. Let's jump into our Western Conference, you know, our ranking. Um I think it's funner funner's not a word. No, like it is it. a word now. It is way more funner. I think it is way more funner to start from the bottom, work our way up to the top. Alright. I think we can agree the Lakers are gonna be the worst team in the Western Conference. I think it's very likely, but there, there's still some there's still some teams that I think could finish worse. I just don't see a, a. I mean, who do they have? It's Julius Randle who was supposedly supposed to be really good coming out of Kentucky. I don't he, think he'll be on the team in a few years. I just don't think he's talented enough. I don't think a, a, a locker room led by D'Angelo Russell is a very good idea. Absolutely. And Brendan Ingram. Not ready yet. Not ready. He's. Everyone compares him to KD. He is nowhere near where KD was coming into his rookie year. And so how that, many rookies are actually good from jump? Not many. Damian Lillard was, but he also had three years of seasoning in college. A lot of rookies suck. And that's something people need to realize. A lot of rookies suck. So whoever gets rookie of the year sucked less. And... I think it's going to be a battle for, for the worst record out West. I think the Lakers are, are my pick just because they don't have really an NBA vet. I've got the Suns at what 14. What about Luol Deng, which confuses me for the, the... I mean, you got... Didn't they throw big money at a really shitty center, too? <laughs> yes, they did. Who was that? Oh, God. He played on Cleveland last year. Timothy Moskov? Yes. I can explain almost any move, but not this one. Why did... What do you think he would have got from, like, let's just say the Lakers were sleeping during free agency. What do you think he could have got on the open market? Well, he got 16, maybe maybe 10 or 11. Could you imagine being his agent, get hearing the phone, hearing 16 mil? Oh, God, I got I to gotta act like this is a You're maybe. Supp- this, is, this, yeah. this isn't making me so excited. Like, how could you... How could you throw that type of money at a dude that will not be in your finishing five most games? Who, who Who's in the finishing five? Russell, Clarkson? Let's also not forget they have a rookie head coach. Yeah, but people think he's going to be great. 
Well, it's easy to be great when you're coaching the Warriors, my yeah. friend. He's not going to be in the finishing five most games. Okay, I think we spent enough time talking about the lowly Lakers. Um, number 14, I've got the Suns. I think if Eric Bledsoe can stay healthy, that's, you know, they got Brandon Knight. That's good enough for a couple wins here and there. Hopefully Portland can take care of business against the Suns. We lost two early games against them last year, and they always seem to give us fits down in the Valley of the Sun. So hopefully we can finally just beat them. Their roster construction kind of is weird to me because they have all these young guys. like, And they drafted two stretch fours, which makes no sense. What a, They're going to be bottom players. Who cares? I think Chris could be the biggest bust of the draft. Agreed? I mean, every honestly, I mean, I know we're not talking about the Eastern Conference, but even outside of Ben Simmons, I thought anybody had bust potential. Fair enough, but I think he has the most. And then they have Tyson Chandler on an untradeable contract. Untradeable. Mm-hmm. Why is Brandon Knight and Eric Bledsoe there? I, I have a lot of faith that, uh, crap, what's his name? Devin Booker. Devin Booker. He could be a star. So you don't need those young 25-year-old players that think they're stars ruining your 18-year-old half of Clay Thompson, half of James Harden shooting guard. You don't need the negativity. I've never seen a, a, a quasi-star be accepting of a, a young and up-and-coming star. So I, if I was the GM of that team, I would, have, I would not have done the Tyson Chandler contract. I'm cool with Jared Dudley. But it has to be those young core, Jared Dudley, you rock with that. Because they have way too many veterans for such a, a bad team. Very bad team. Like We debated whether to put them 13 or 14. I ultimately went 14 just because they're kind of a shit show. Uh, the Nuggets, I think they're going to have their moments. They have a, a nice young core, but to me they're like a poor man's Utah Jazz. They've got a nice core, but... Who in the fuck are you going to count on to score for you for 82 games, especially in the clutch? Or play defense. I mean, exactly. They, they, uh, they have a billion shooting guards that they either drafted or just signed. Um, they have a huge logjam in the front court. I mean, they finally traded Joffrey Le- yep. to uh, the Thunder, but um, they've got some nice pieces. they got to trade them. They have to trade it. They They're, are a while away, like a while away. Those assets are really rare because no one can say, this guy sucks or this guy has flaws. If you continue to play them and they actually have flaws, they're basically untradeable. So yep. what I would do, and I know, the market, I know the market's not good because everyone knows they're trying to trade these assets. You got to <laughs> trade these assets because what if Jokic doesn't play as well as his RPM and PER Say he is. What if Will Barton somehow hurts himself? There's a or lot what of if ifs. Gallo about. breaks his foot again. Has he? He has never been healthy, ever. No. So you have these assets that are at the highest peak. You trade them now. You try and get something good. If you keep them, you're running a humongous risk that those assets aren't as good as you actually thought. So we kind of debated about again another one, thirteen and twelve. Maybe the the biggest shit show in the entire NBA, the Sacramento Kings. Would you, would you agree with that? I think Brooklyn Nets might be worse. Yeah, but in terms of like locker room and like everything. Yeah, just... yeah, I, I agree that the Kings are 
especially bad. But I, I don't think they're as bad as Brooklyn because of the picks. That's true. But, I mean, it, it's sooner or later, they have to trade DeMarcus Cousins. Shit, I mean, get off the pot, seriously. They have never even sniffed the eighth seed out west, and they've got, you know, they brought in Ty Lawson, they have Darren Collison, they have Ben McLemore, Rudy Gay, you know, Cousins. That, they should be a little bit better. They're moving into a massive new arena in Sacramento. Um... I think this might be the last year of Cousins. If they don't make any significant improvements, I mean, maybe they're just a completely moronic ownership and they're just going to keep him and let he's just going to walk. Mm-hmm. But I still think he has like two or three he years left. He has two more years on that contract. So you've got to move him and just move on because obviously the Cousins experiment isn't working. They didn't get enough pieces around him. They just screwed up too many drafts. Um do you think yeah. they screwed up? Like, I think they screwed up because of the culture is so bad. But I think if Ben McLemore went to the Spurs, we'd be talking about him being that next up-and-coming star. I think that the... the I, I don't know if i buy that necessarily. I, I think um, that... I don't, I don't fit, think his the culture in Sacramento helped. Oh, absolutely but not. this kid is also someone who's getting a lot of playing time. You look at a guy like Nick Stauskas. Yes, I know he goes from Sacramento to Philadelphia, not exactly, you know, the... Um, the culture change? Not exactly, yeah, the, the perfect family values, and like, you know, the, the gold standard of culture in Philly, but he doesn't look like shit either. Um, they just, they're not good at evaluating talent, and Ben McLemore was in that, that odd 2013 draft when it was like, oh, should McLemore go number one? Should it be Victor Oladipo? And end up being like Anthony Bennett. It was just a really big grab bag. And, you know, McLemore showed at times at Kansas the ability to be a number one player, but he was way too inconsistent. Yes, again, I think he would be better if he was with the Spurs. I thought he would have been a good fit in Portland to have him win oh, for Al Pratt. Like, I would have, yeah. Because he has so, potential. I, I share that sentiment with McLemore, but, you know, they're missing on – it's not just him. It's so many other picks. Who and, was their pick? It was some Greek guy? or A Greek guy. Yeah. Why, why you have Walt, Willie Colley-Stein, Costa Kufus, DeMarcus, you don't need another center. You need some guards that actually can get him the ball. Or you need a wing that can hit the three, because they don't have any shooters. Who's their best shooter? Aaron Oflala? No, they traded Bellinelli. was is on the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah. All right, coming at number 11, we've got your New Orleans Pelicans. They, to me, scream... Early 2000s Minnesota Timberwolves when it's Kevin Garnett and a bunch of nobodies. You need to get your boy 80 some help. Stat. We both admit that it would be higher if Drew Holiday actually had, if there was a timetable for Drew Holiday to play. I think what their plan was was have Drew Holiday have some insane usage rate. And then since he's gone, that plan's out the window. I think of. FanFest and Media Day as like a positive for most teams. For the Pelicans, it was a lot of negative news coming out. You learned that Tyreek Evans had a, a blood clot in his calf after a surgery. You learned, Quin- you, knew, you, knew, you learned that Quincy Pondexter has a Brandon Roy type of knee injury. You learned, Drew, well, Drew Holiday had a baby, and that's fantastic. So there was a lot of negativity coming to a team when it should be all positivity. 
I like some of their moves. I think each one more could be Raja Bell with handles. So some of those moves are good. They're just not needle movers in the the way that they should be. You just need rotation, like start. You need starters, like you need somebody that's going to score twenty a night alongside AD. Like I don't see anybody on that team that is going to help shoulder any of the burden that he's going to be forced to carry. Um, at what point do you think AD is like? I'm already, I'm already sure that he's going to request a trade in four years, or I mean, it, or, or just leave in five. Because he's he's got to get some help. Because one, he's he's a young superstar, and he, he doesn't. I'm sure he wants to lead the the, the city he, of New Orleans. I mean, he sa- he says all the right things. He says what Damian says about he wants to, to stay in New Orleans for his career. I know you know everybody listening knows that's not true unless they're thunder good. If they're not thunder good of last year, he's gone. I know it. You know it. It's sad for me to say. No, and I want him to stay in that market, especially because like you're a fan, but it's good for the game when the players who they get picked that high, they stay there, mm-hmm. but you know, it, it's just tough. Like a series of bad moves went the wrong way. You look back, you would definitely redo the Drew Holiday trade. Probably wouldn't have given away Robin Lopez for the chance to sign Tyreek Evans. Well, especially if, not now. Well, he did. I think for what they were planning, they did the right moves. But what happened in real life didn't made him fail. So if you kind of get that, like they failed because of the situation and what they thought would happen that would happen. I mean, there was a lot of negativity in New Orleans when what happened to Ryan Anderson happened. That with Drews stress fracture, a lot of bad stuff that Dell Demps and the, the staff couldn't predict. So I'm looking forward to the, uh, I'm looking forward to the Danny Ferry era and the Darren Ehrman era. So number 10, we go to Houston who has two of your former boys, Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson. Actually, yo, can I just say on record, Ryan Anderson is talking mad shit and I do not like it. Who's he talking shit about? City of New Orleans and New Orleans Pelicans. I'm not liking that. Oh, what's he? What do he say? He says he's getting more. He's never felt so supported in all of his life in NBA basketball. He's saying he's never had such open shots. It's kind of bullshit. New or- the Pelicans did a lot for him, and he's never going to get more open shots than he would be with Anthony Davis. Yeah. And Mont- we had Monty Williams take care of him. That I did not. I thought that was a low blow to t- talk crap about New Orleans after all the stuff they helped him through. So I'm well, not. Ryan Anderson's not in my top five favorite players anymore. His punishment is going to play with James Harden, who is never going to pass them the basketball. They are not going to play a lick of defense. They have no inside presence, and they're coached by a a washed coach who made his name turning Steve Nash into an MVP. Yes, that's big, but that was that was that was 11 years ago. And Whoa. he had Gentry's help. He had a lot of help. And let's not forget, yes, Nash turned the MVP. They had Matrix. They had Joe Johnson for a year of that. They had Boris Diaw. They had Amari fucking Stoudemire. Uh, Barbosa. They had a lot Bar- of that. Raja Bell. Hey, that I mentioned him earlier. That team was loaded. Um, they're not going to play defense. Mike D'Antoni has... He's... For lack of a better word, he's failed every other stop. 
I don't know why this is supposed to be different. People are saying, oh, Houston might be a surprise team. No. Fuck no. Houston is going to be trash this year. You know and... what I would do every time they go on the floor? I would run a pick and roll with Ryan Anderson's guy. It was James Harden's guy. That's yep. open buckets every possession. Or Eric Gordon. They they do There's... not play. They, have, they don't have a player who instills any sort of fear on the defensive end. If a team just plays any sort of disciplined basketball on the offensive end against them, they will get any shot they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you might have to score 125, 120 points to beat them because they will, they will, they will get buckets. That's what they're down there for. But if you just make them play a lick of defense, you will win the game. Um, number the the eight and nine was probably I think the most we went back and forth with. Um, eight, we have the Timberwolves. We have them sneaking into the playoffs, really based on Carl Anthony Towns alone. And nine, we have the Dallas Mavericks. It's just tough. You you feel like with, with Duncan, this was his last year. Mm-hmm. Dirk still has got years left, I think, but the Mavericks making the playoffs, I think it's time. Um, they lost Chandler Parsons. Wesley Matthews is not the same Wesley Matthews that he was in Portland. I know a lot of people in Dallas that hate Wesley Matthews because that injury is Well, legit. don't hate Wesley Matthews. Hate Mark Cuban for signing him to that contract. Mm-hmm. That that was an abysmal contract, and maybe he'll play better this year. But and Harrison Barnes, as you, I, I, Harrison Barnes got the most wide open looks of any role player in the history of the NBA last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you play with Curry, Draymond, and Clay, and you're just shanking, you're not even coming close on jump shots. I don't see how it's going to get any better for him. The the Mavericks, we have them this high, frankly, based on Rick Carlisle alone. He, I think he's a top three coach. He can make him, you and I run the perfect pick and roll. Him and Dirk, they, they get shit done. But I, I think it's it's probably for the best that this franchise gets a lottery pick for the first time since since they drafted Dirk. <laughs> yeah, they did this thing where they would dra- trade away draft picks for like 10 years. And it's finally starting to bite them in the ass because Dirk isn't. 28 anymore and then number seven can i just say oh. something about a- andrew wiggins he's not as yep. good as everybody thinks he is if no you look at his, if you look at his stats he's eric yeah he's eric gordon from rebounds and assists or dustin told me derek anderson's basically eric gordon so he's derek anderson yeah he reminds me a lot of rudy gay like yeah. he, he has the ability to get 40 on you but he also has the ability to go what three for 16 and people say that Zach Levine's a shooter. Yeah, he's a shooter, but he's inconsistent. There's only one efficient scorer on that team now, and that's Cat. The other two last year were uh, Tayshon Prince, and I think Kmart was still efficient. Number seven, got the Thunder. Uh, this isn't just going to be Russell Westbrook. They do have Victor Oladipo. They've got Steven Adams. They've got... Who's that? Enos Cantor. We are messing up, but I am messing up way worse with names. Sorry, I was in between burps, and I was trying to hold the burp to not burp into the mic, and I was... <laughs> nope, 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 nope. You just... Who's their... What is their starting lineup? I don't know their small forward. Is it is it Irsan Ilyasova? Do they do... Did they just bully ball with Enos and Steve Adams? I mean, maybe, but then you're really, really... Uh... Slim in the front court once either one of them goes to the bench. Mm-hmm. Nick Collison's only got so much time left. Sabonis is a rookie. Um, Joffrey's okay, but yeah, maybe Kyle Singler starts. Maybe it's that Josh Josh Hustis. 
I think he has a chance to be good, but like maybe it's Roberson. Um, either way, this team cannot shoot. If you can just defend the paint a little bit against them, you'll beat them. I think honestly, your best bet to beat the Thunder team. Let Russ go for sixty. Let him use all of his energy. Don't let any of those role players get involved, and you'll have yourself a good night. But Russ is amazing. Um, he's got a couple good years left athletically. I think he really needs to develop a jump shot so he can keep his career um, at a higher peak for a longer amount of time. But he does kind of feel like he's on that Gerald Wallace, Derrick Rose type of curve that if you take his athleticism away, what's he going to do? Is Has there been a successful basketball player that once they lost who relies on athleticism as much as he does that when they lost it they were any good i mean mj all right fair enough I mean, that's that's really but about mj mj and kobe like those two maybe used vince to, carter a little yeah vince de- is a good example no vince is a really a good shot example. but he developed a shot um jason kidd wasn't supremely athletic but again he developed a shot he was very quick he you have to you have to learn how to shoot the basketball. And if I'm a defender, I'm backing up and making Russell shoot jump shots on me all game long. Because, like, when Chris Paul lost his athleticism because of that knee injury, I was like, okay, he's one of the smartest NBA players. He'll just be John Stockton. There's not really that he'll just be this star player when he loses his athleticism. And it's going to happen. You don't, you don't. You can't be that hyper-athletic all the time, but this is going to be an experiment. Uh, if Allen Iverson was actual height, this is what they would be with Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. Uh, six, I've got the Utah Jazz. Um, I think I could see them as high as fifth. They're going to play a lot of good defense. Hayward is a nice scorer. I think George Hill is going to add some stability to that to that backcourt. I Love Trey Lyles. I think they would honestly be better off trading Derek Favors to get something else because I think whenever Lyles goes in the game, it reminds me of Juwan Howard. Like mm-hmm. he has got the silkiest smooth jump shot. He's Juwan Howard with range. And I, I bet that Lyles and Gobert would work better together. Honestly, because yeah, you've got Derek Favors kind of pounding it down. Center. Yeah, he, he's a center. He's a he's a guy who can hit a fifteen foot jump shot, but he likes banging in the post. And he can't guard those stretch fours. I mean, he, Mo Harkless looked like MVP type against him because Derek Favors is not gonna—he's not gonna hedge on a pick and roll. And as we've said all summer long, who are the Jazz gonna go to when they need buckets for over eighty-two games? Like you cannot win games scoring eighty-five, ninety-eight a night on a consistent basis. Yeah. One, their their defense isn't that good. It's not all-time record good. And two, you. You can't always rely on your, your – you have to be some form of a threat on, on offense. And I don't know if Joe Johnson is that piece. that they, I don't know if Boris Diaw is that piece. I think for the Jazz to be as high as we're talking about, it's going to have to come from guys like Alec Burks or Rodney Hood. Those guys may be taking that next step into – above average starter mm-hmm. and then I think Gobert has got to be some form of an offensive he just, he is really raw on offense he can't hit free throws he just almost like throws it up there like he has no 
It's almost like he has no coordination once he gets the ball, and he doesn't well, know he's what to goof. do. He's, he's awkward moving. He's very awkward, and for someone who is, what, he's in his fourth year now, you would have expected that would have come along a little bit further, but... Um, he needs to watch Tyson Chandler. But I think teams are finally scouting how to go at him defensively. Um, Dame's quick at getting to the lane. He, he and CJ were just penetrating that lane so perfectly. Yep. And if you have a big who can take him out of the paint, I mean, there's there's ways around it. I mean, maybe in, in early '90s basketball when there was no zone, he's lights out. But with the the zone, like you can almost do whatever you want because if it's man to man, it's a little bit tougher. But I mean, if you can get the Jazz in the zone, I think you've got them beat because they're they're spread out. They don't know. They're probably not in their comfort zone, and. Like a the good team, great home court advantage. I think they've got a good coach, but they're they're a superstar away from really being mm-hmm. I, I, I ideal threat out out west. Do you think uh, they can net anything with Exum, Favors, and maybe some other pieces? You talked about training a player before GMs and coaches knew they were shitty. Mm-hmm. Do that with Dante Exum. Yeah. I don't see it with him. I didn't see it as rookie year. I think the uh, only thing he can bring to the bank is he plays pretty good defense, and that's something. And you, you can find guards who play defense that just de- play defense, but you can find those guys. And anyway. you'll have to play, you'll pay him a lot less. Yeah, I mean, there's guys like I've, I've mentioned his name a few times already. Etwan Moore. You could have gotten Etwan Moore. You traded Exum while his value's high because he's still the man of mystery. You get Etwan Moore, he'll get you ten points and play good defense. Yeah, I think they have a lot of nice pieces, but there's just not that guy you're like, okay, he's going to put that team on his back the entire season, and they're going to come through. Yep. Um, number five, I think this is the ultimate wild card out west, and that's the Memphis Grizzlies. So much variance. Because... So, I mean, they're, they're, they're old, but they're experienced. They're they're big. They they play a type of basketball that maybe only the Jazz play in the NBA, like a a grind, a grit and grind. Um, they are injury prone, in very injury. Like they they are the most high risk, high reward team I think in the entire NBA. And they have no depth on the bench. They like, got no depth. I mean, their starting five's pretty nice. Oh, it's they brought good. Back, they brought yeah. back Conley. Uh, they brought in Chandler Parsons. I mean, Zebo can still Zebo's going to get it. He's like the Jamal Crawford of power forwards. That dude's going to play until his forties. Um, Mark Gasol has taken a step back from when he won Defensive Player of the Year. Oh, absolutely, and we he don't is, know about his feet. Exactly, he's coming off an injury, but and I think they're on another head coach. They got rid of Dave yeah. Yeager. Yeah, he is so, the Miami guy. Say something? All right, thank God. It's still recording. There's just going to be a weird pause. So, you know, Dave Yeager's gone. I mean, they got rid of Lionel Hollins. I mean, the management's not really stable there. So pretty odd choice of Chandler Parsons to choose Memphis. But, I mean, he's injury prone. I mean, saying all this, and I don't even feel good about putting Memphis at five. I mean, like I said. They could be 11th pretty easily. Five to 11. And 
the only reason I one said, injury and I think they're done. Yeah, like, like Parsons hasn't played a full season ever. Since, I don't think maybe yeah. his first year or two, but that was a long time ago. He's had a lot of bad uh, injuries. Conley, I mean, there's a lot of factors. They this could be the fifth seed. They could be the fourth seed even. But they could also be the twelfth. It could, it could be the lottery. Yeah, which might not hurt them. I mean, no. but when you've got that much invested in Mike Conley, that's going to be a tough contract to move. Absolutely. Um, they feel like they're locked into mediocrity for for quite a long time. Um, but moving on, number four, uh, the Los Angeles Clippers. I think they actually got worse this offseason. I don't feel like they they brought in anybody to help get them over the, the hump. And they have been a team that has been constantly been pushing that ball up the hill, and they're rolling, and they, the hill just seems to keep going and going, and there's no end in sight. This is their last chance. This is this no force, I mean, absolutely. And I, I, man, I wish I got an allowance like Austin Rivers just got. Can you believe it? You got Austin. Um, Jamal has definitely lost a step. He's no longer the feared Shooter off the bench. Yes, I know he won six man of the year, but I don't really think he was the. He's going to get hot twenty games a year, and then he's going to be okay forty, and then bad the other. I didn't realize this, but JJ Reddick's like thirty two years old. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they they are an aging team. I mean DeAndre is DeAndre. He is what he is. He's going to grab a lot of rebounds. He's going to miss a lot of foul shots, and he's going to play defense. Going to block a lot of shots, but he's defense. not like. Hakeem Olajuwon on the defensive end, like he's not that feared of a defender. Blake, it'll be. I mean, he's getting. He's a free agent. Um, so it's it's just. I think I feel like there's just a lot of uncertainty around this Clipper team. You know, Chris Paul, he's not getting any younger. Isn't he a free agent next year too? I think it's either Paul's a free agent and then it's Blake or Blake and then it's Paul. I know they're back to back. I just don't know what it is right so now. So where do you think Chris? I I know I I'm gonna say it on record here. He. Chris Paul's going to be a Spur next year. I don't see Chris Paul being a Spur. I see Chris Paul teaming up with whoever LeBron's with. He loves or or Carmelo. Nah, he, he's going to he and Monty are going to come back and he's going to be a Spur. I said it on record. That's what's going to happen. I, I just don't see anybody going to San Antonio. Like it just doesn't. I think. Nah. I I, I think he's going to be a Spur, and I thought he was going to be a Spur before Monty was the. Director of operations. I think he'll be a spur, and I think Blake Griffin. They be even a have cap space. Though. I don't think they have cap space. They'll make it happen. First of all, I think they'll make it happen. And Monty and him, I think that I, you you can say no, but I'm Chris Paul spur. big time heavily on. I don't see San Antonio as a Chris Paul type of market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's why I have the Clippers four. I mean, they've got talent, but do you? They, they lost. I mean, they lost. Who? The, the Wesley Green. Johnson's gone. Uh, Wesley Johnson's back. Jeff Green's gone though. Jeff Green's gone. He's who else? on Orlando. They lost other pieces though. Uh, Pablo Frigioni. And Cole Aldrich, who I thought was a very nice. Back- he's a he's a pretty elite backup center. And it's just like okay, those names together or separately don't really be like oh my god they lost a lot. Put them together, and then you look at what they brought in. They didn't bring in anybody. Wilcox? No, Maurice Spades? Oh, Maurice. I, yeah. yeah, Maurice. I, either way. <laughs> it's not 
something that a team who was on their last leg, like desperate to get this ball over the hill, would have done. Like, it's a really poor offseason, in my opinion. Where do you think Blake's going to go when he's a free agent? So he's not. He is not staying. I have no idea. Or once he punches someone, they have to. It, it depends on what markets are open. It Does he want to win? Does he want money? I mean, I, I don't know. It, I think he's going to Boston. Again, I just don't see Boston's not the destination. Well, my hot takes are ruined because of you. No, I'm just trying to think. Like everyone thought, like OKD oh, might go to Boston, and uh, Kevin Love might go to Boston. I just, mm, I mean, I know they got Al Horford, but I mean, it was. I think Al Horford and Blake Griffin are two completely different players in terms of elite status, and I think Blake's a lot better. But um, maybe he goes to Boston. Do they have enough cap space though? Yeah, because I think Isaiah's on a. I think it's I think it's Al Horford, Jay Crowder, and then one of the Zeller brothers are their top three paid players. I mean, maybe he'd go to Boston. That might be not not be a ugh. might not be a bad guess, but again, and he's white looking, so way too early to think. Um, three, I got the Blazers. I know you might have had them a little bit lower, but I Where really the, the, wait one second. Where would the Clippers rank on like defense and offense, like? Top five offense with like fifteen defense. Yeah, because I, I don't even know if I put them in top five offense. I, I, I'm, top. I'm gonna put them at set number two. The best, second best offense. Yeah, I, th- I, I, I got faith that they got one more year of eliteness, so I'm going second. I mean, LeBron and four eighth graders is a better offense. Now, I don't know, Chris Paul. Warriors are a better offense. Well, they're obviously number one. Um. I think Portland has runs a better offense. Mm. I'm going number two. Another like hot take for the Clippers. Maybe Boston's offense on top. Maybe top five. Okay, maybe. Maybe top five or six. And but, then like 15 defense. Yeah, I mean, Paul plays good D. So DeAndre, DeAndre plays good. But outside of that, Blake's not playing any defense. J.J. Reddick's not playing any defense. Um, they, they think Austin's going to be a defense. They're just stopper. a team that's, that's what I've been good. Eating. They're they're just a good team. They're never going to be great. Fifty three. If you think Blazers fifty seven, they'll probably be at fifty four, fifty five. All right, that's still pretty damn good. <laughs> but that's good. Just yeah. good. Yeah. Not not elite. Uh, I got the Blazers at three. I really like what they did, bringing in Evan Turner, bringing in Festus, bringing everyone back, using the chemistry as their advantage. They knew they weren't going to be able to utilize or to lure a big name free agent their way, so they went the route of the the '99 and the 2000 Trailblazers. Let's just get the 15 best players that we can get, and let's make matchup night, nightmares all across the board. So they've got a diverse array of of talent and skill set, players who know their role, and they've got two elite scores in the backcourt, and. They've got one of the most interesting big men in the game, Mason Plumley, who can help assist that. And then when you bring in Evan Turner to give another ball handler, give those guys a break, you got shooters galore in Terry Stott's offense. Like we said earlier, if Stott's can outcoach his, his counterpart and the defense plays to top 12, top 13 levels. I'd just take, I'd take foot out 15, honestly. I think this the, There was still some, I still saw some bad things that they need to iron out still. Like, come playoff time, if this team is clicking, like we saw flashes just in that one preseason game of what they can do, you know, 
they're running pick and rolls. Turner's finding his man, uh, Ed Davis, for the and one, or he's stopping and popping, shooting the mid-range shot. They're kicking it back for Shabazz or Dame or AC to hit the three. You know, they're playing the passing lanes. If if they're clicking and they can get to that point, you know, it's it's going to be a good year. Mm. Number two, San Antonio. Um, really, until they prove, until they fall off, it's almost like I'll, I'll wait and see to believe it. Um, they lose Duncan, but they bring in Paul Gasol. This is the tailor-made regular season team. Once they face a, a, a team of Blazers, Clippers, Warriors caliber, I don't know how they're going to stack up in the playoffs just because they are so freaking old. And I think cannot... their defense is going to be surprisingly bad. Because I think Duncan. Duncan was in – he might not have been as athletic. He was, he was an amazing in, defender. Yeah, he was in position every time. And they're Powell gonna... is probably one of the worst defending centers. See, the thing with me and the Spurs is I don't know if I believe they're the second-best team in the West. <clears throat> but, it's but, safe. I just, but I just couldn't bring myself to put the Blazers number two. I couldn't be that homery. I, I'm worried and I about don't what, see the Clippers as the second-best team either. So it was just like, I don't know. I'm worried about the Spurs if I was a fan. like Their defense is going to be bad. They're wor- they're gonna, their third big is Dwayne Dedman. And... If you saw him in Orlando, you know he has some iron hands. He can play some defense and block some shots, but offensively, he's Omer Oshik. And again, you are now re- relying on LaMarcus Aldridge. I, as a Blazer fan, and as I've watched him for, for nine years in Portland, that's not something you want. Um, I, again, I'm not the biggest LaMarcus fan. Everyone who's listened to this podcast knows that, but... The fact of the matter is, he's led this team out of the first round of the playoffs one time in his nine years. Um, went to San Antonio. They went as far as we did last year, too. I think Kawhi Leonard's fucking awesome, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kawhi, Kawhi is a, a beast. But I think he is a beast in the team structure. I don't think he's a beast like like Russell Westbrook's going to be able to to carry the yeah, offense. He's, he's a team concept type of guy. He's a team concept type of beast who I think they need more pieces around. I mean, you've got Manu and Tony definitely getting washed. Danny Green had a surprisingly poor year last year. Um, Powell, as good as he was with Chicago at that age, he's still almost, what, 37, 38 years old. Can he keep that production up? They're going to have to get creative, and the only reason I have them number two is Kawhi Leonard and Greg Popovich. They yeah, find ways. I love Popovich as a coach. And then, number one, we got the fucking Warriors, but we're not going to talk about them because fuck them and, and fuck, just fuck the Warriors. Um, who is your Western Conference Finals, and who is your Eastern Conference Finals preview? Ooh. Cleveland, Boston. Yeah, me too. Cleveland going to the finals? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not kidding. I'm sorry, family. <laughs> um, Golden State. Spurs. I, I, I can't say Blazers yet. Nope. I mean, if it was like, if I saw them play like 30 games, I need more. Oh, I, no, Sage. You I, just gotta, you got to have that fever. you got to have that faith. <sighs> It is going to be the Golden State Warriors and the Portland Trailblazers in the Western Conference Finals. If that happens, oh my god, your your shitty grin will be unbelievably hard to deal with. Oh man, it is, 
magical. It is going to happen. The West is open. Golden State's got that top spot on lock. But that second spot, it is wide open. And this team, is they're hungry. They want it. I don't think they're good enough to beat Golden State yet. But that series is not going to be easy. I think Golden State wins. It's going to be tough for them to do it. But I think it's going to be Golden State and, and Cleveland. Unfortunately, I think the fucking Warriors are going to win it all. And Durant's going to have his championship. And, nah. Fuck, but, fuck uh, Durant. Fuck, but let's... I hate all of them. But that that's enough about, about the Warriors. Um, I, hey, if you are listening in San Francisco, Oakland, any of that stuff, I'm going to one game this year. Don't beat me up because of what no, I said. Don't be Sage <laughs> up, but still fuck the Warriors. Yeah. And you better not be rooting for the Warriors at that game either, Sage. Timberwolves, baby. All right, Sage. There are three questions that right. I have going into this oh, season. Shit. You're going to ambush me. All right. I am going to ambush the shit out of you. And I think they're, they're pretty good questions. The biggest question to me is what do we do with Mason Plumley? He has a restricted free agent. There's a log jam in the middle. Maybe not right now due to injuries to Festus, Noah, and Myers, but there will be. And does he fit long term? We know he's working on his jump shot, but he's still right now an offensive liability. What do we do with Mason Plumley? I'm on the trade it. I, there, he needs to be in the perfect situation to be effective. I I think the jump shot's cool, but his personality is way too passive. Do you I, need I a don't trust personality him. with this team, though. I'm just talking about his play type. Like he, okay. he, he doesn't I, that fit into the Stotts offense, though. I think. I, I'm totally on the trade it bandwagon. There's a lot of depth that we have. I, I'm definitely on the trade. If I, I'm on the let's see what we can get for him bandwagon, and if it's something better, I'm totally for trading some pieces for that. I think I'm with you as well. Um, if he can start to hit the Robin Lopez 10 to 12 footer, you probably want to keep him because he is such a great passer and he can run the point center. And he's still athletic, as we saw on that awesome alley-oop um, in the second half of the, the first preseason game. But if the Blazers, they have a lot of depth. And at some point, you need to cash in on, on your chips. And if he can play well, and you can use him as a centerpiece to get, and I know this has been thrown out, but just as an example, DeMarcus Cousins. Whoa, 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 whoa. That was one of the... Exa- that was one of the... It's an example. All right, I was thinking lofty with Derek Favors, man. If we can get Boogie Cousins, we do it. I'm just throwing it like you <laughs> trade Mason Plumley and like three other pieces. I'm talking consolidation here. I'm, I'm for that, by the way. So then, yes, I move Plumley. However, if if it's a lateral move or even only give gets us a little bit better, I probably keep him. He's got great chemistry. We have the right to match any offer. So, we're likely going to be in the luxury tax anyway. Oh, yeah, so, we're, the, we're the luxury tax. So for me to move Plumlee, we really need to get a, a – we need to be able to make a consolidation trade that makes us significantly better, and that is a needle mover. But if he like, – like I said, if he can hit that jump shot, though, he really becomes difficult to guard on offense because teams can't just sag off of him now, and if they're up on him – that opens up the passing lanes a little bit more for him to dissect the defense. 
which is really where he shines on offense. So that's that was my first question. The second one, what like what tier of talent do you need to trade him for? Like, I I think that Atlanta is going to try and trade Paul Millsap. Would that be good a uh, good enough caliber of player to trade Mason Plumley? Millsap's thirty. Yes, and no. Yes, in the terms of Paul Millsap's talent. No, in the sense of Paul Millsap specifically. Only because I think we would have to pay a lot more uh, to match his salary. One, he's a free agent, um, and two, I think last year was his peak year. I think he's only going. I think he's going to start declining now. I think I, I just think he's so so good. I love him. Oh, I think he's an amazing player, yeah. but I mean, he's been in the league a long time. I think last year is probably his best year. So um, that type of talent. Yeah, how you will, that? Yep. So like Vucevic. Mm. See, the thing that worries me about Vucevic and players like Vucevic who put up numbers on on teams who play games that don't matter is what happens when you're in a playoff push in the spring. What happens during during game five, you know, fourth quarter. Those buckets are different than, oh, you know, we're we're down 10, we're in 12th place in the East, nothing really matters. Let's try this left-handed hook that I've been working on. There's no pressure there. I think Vucevic is... Best role is going to be Enos Cantor's role with the, the Thunder last year. Yeah, and Vucevic is a guy that needs the ball a lot. Like we don't, we don't need that necessarily. And I know Cousins would too, but Cousins is a whole other animal that you you work to make. Oh yeah, he'd he'd be welcome with open arms. So my second question: To me, Dame and CJ are the second best backcourt in the league, but are they good enough as a duo to propel this team to the conference finals? i.e., how far can they take us before we look to pair them with that third star? I got to see what this team can do. It depends on who's around them. Obviously, they're talented, but it, it, it's, a, it's the team around them. They might, they might be good enough. If the Warriors didn't exist, it'd be a whole different... If, like, the Warriors didn't exist, maybe. But... It, 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 I think that it would be best if we had a third, but I think they could do. They could. Their peak is conference finals, and if you want to, if you want to make take that next step, you take trade some of the depth at the deadline for that third star. So, last question: What do How, you think about that one, though? I think I think their peak with the current state of the NBA and the Warriors and, and the Cavaliers conference finals and i think that's pretty fucking good oh i would be so happy if my team went there like a few times exactly and and then we have the pieces to get them to the and that's the thing like just steph and clay and and really nobody else i don't think that's good enough to win an nba championship they they need to dream on they needed the coaching they need there's a lot of other things besides like your two guards yeah it's not jordan and pippen here like those, yeah, I know they had Phil, but it was really Jordan and Pippen. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it takes it takes a team. So, I, I think a great next step is obviously reaching the conference finals. But if the time comes and you see a, a disgruntled star or a star is made available, pounce, mm-hmm. pounce, pounce, pounce. Yeah, um, I, I think Boston won't trade. I think the Blazers are in a position where they have to trade some of those assets that they have. 
I mean, they're not the Nuggets where they're depreciating assets potentially, but if you're trying to take that next step, it, it is important to have that third guy. All right, so how will the Blazers, last question, how will the Blazers perform as the hunted rather than the hunter? Last year, they, they, they crept up on everybody. They surprised everybody. They surprised Vegas. They exceeded all expectations. How are they going to perform knowing teams have scouted them better and they know they're not sneaking up on anybody this year? I don't think Dame would let them change that mindset of we are the underdogs. People still don't think we're as good as we actually are. So I don't think that's really going to matter because of who we have as our leaders. They're not going to they're not with that fuck shit. They're not going to let this team fall off. I that that's my answer in a nutshell as well. So yeah. kudos. So do uh, we have any fan questions? We do. So from our, our OG fan, uh, long story longer, she says, also, I miss Mike, Mike, and Tone. I listened to Wheels tonight, and I love him so much, but it was weird. Is tough Wheels running solo? Wheels is running solo. Damn, that's a tough job, man. So this is also tied into a, a question we got from Kim Thrasher, who says, am I the only one annoyed with Kevin Calabro calling the Blazers the red and black, or the black and red? So, so is it basically you're not the, the biggest Mike and Mike fan? No, I, I like the new guys. Okay. But I uh, don't have the years of, like, these are our fellas. These are our, the guys who rock with us. But I totally enjoy Kevin Calabro. I didn't, li- like, last year I listened to music 90% of the game. Today I only listened to it about 40. This is that new Sky Zoo. It's fantastic. So... First question, the black and the red. I think he's trying to make something happen on Mean Girls Day. Probably shouldn't try to make Fetch happen. Let's just call us the Blazers or Rip City. Um, it might catch on. It might not. To me, it's, it was okay. It wasn't good. It wasn't bad. Um, it was just – it, it was odd. But I, I, think I, I wasn't so, like vehemently disgusted by it. It was just – Oh, that's what he's trying. Yeah. I I mean, it's game one of the preseason. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, he's going to develop his own style. I'm sure he was nervous. I mean... I would much rather hear the black and the red than hear Lamar Hurd talk about nine-piece nuggets like three times in a row. There were some things that he said where I was like, okay, I agree with this fella. And then, oh, shit. I think, think, you know, again, first game, he was probably trying, pressing a little bit. That's fine. Um, and they have big shoes to fill. Like, Did you listen? Have you listened to our first episode of this show? We were trying so hard to be funny, tr- so hard to do hot takes. You know, it takes it takes a while to get up the chemistry with someone else. I mean, calling games is a lot like radio in the fact that you have to roll with the punches, roll with that person, have chemistry, have continuity. It's a lot of it's a lot of steps that they haven't taken yet because they don't have the time. They don't. Mike and Mike weren't, didn't have chemistry the first time they tried. They they worked together, so I I think be patient with them. I think Calabro's pretty awesome. Lamar Hurd needs to chill with that chicken reference. It is not catching on, but I ain't mad at all the things he said. Yeah, I think it it is going to take time. It, it definitely was weird for me listening to the broadcast and not hearing Mike and Mike. Um, Calabro's got a fantastic voice. 
Oh, I, I think, would kill for that voice. I think Hurd brings a, a nice perspective as a former player. Um, again, he probably needs to to chill a little bit on the funny stuff and just give us the the commentary. Um, it's going to take time. However, my one biggest critique is get a little bit more excited about the game. Like I know it's preseason, but Blazer fans don't give a fuck if it's preseason. We are pumped as shit right now. <laughs> yeah, man, I've, I've been trying to chill Dustin out for this entire podcast. But basketball he, he, is back. Like yeah. we had a couple of dunks. Get fucking hyped. Like just just t- tune up the intensity a bit. I don't want to feel like I'm I'm sitting through a church service or NPR. Like, like this is fucking NBA basketball. Yeah. When we see, like, let's get a little tuned up a bit. Yeah. So that that's my critique, and I I hope it gets better as the season goes along. I mean, it has to. Like, yeah, you know how there was a continuity boost for the Blazers. It's going to be a continuity boost for them, where they just roll like it's they just roll. I don't know. They're going to be better. Don't worry. No worries about that. And they're not. Honestly, they're not bad. There are plenty of bad announcers. Listen to the Celtics broadcast. Listen to the Spurs broadcast. Oh, Sean Elliott is, is the uh, worst. He's the worst. Tommy, I forgot his last name because I don't li- from the Celtics. He is yep. the worst. If listen to that and listen to what we have, we're fine. Those were it. Um, coming up on the docket for the Blazers this week, they have. A game I finally get to go to. Nice. Friday night at the Rose Garden, they take on the Suns. And then October 11th. So today is the third, yeah? Yeah. So next Tuesday, they've got the Lakers. That's an NBA TV game. Boo, I don't have that. You don't have NBA TV? No, Southern Oregon sucks. I want to go to Portland. (laughs) (laughs) Um... What's really cool is actually October 13th, two days later, at the Clippers, that's a TNT game. Yeah. And then October 16th, I know you don't like it, but it's another um, NBA TV game. So, Against who? Um, the Nuggets. Nice. And um, the 19th, we have the Jazz. No TV for that. I think we might be able to find a Utah feed or League Pass might be having a free trial that starts. Um, Comcast Sportsnet's only... Um, showcasing the home games in market. And then the final preseason game, October 21st at Golden State, another NBA TV game. We will be coming back to you um, sometime next week to talk about the Suns and the Lakers games and any more training camp news that we have right now. Really the only storyline is who's going to get that 15th spot. Is it going to go to maybe the front runner Luis Montero, the veteran Greg Steetsma? Uh, you've got Grant Jarrett, who's actually drafted by the Blazers in 2013, who is that stretch four. Uh, Tim Quarterman, who played with Ben Simmons at LSU. Um, am I missing anybody, Sage? I think that's it. Uh, isn't Quarterman... Doesn't he have a fully guaranteed contract? No. I think part of it, it, it was partially guaranteed. I remember reading that. Well, part, yeah, but probably only up to a certain point, though. Yeah. Man, I... I I hate Greg Steensma. I think he's one of the worst NBA players ever. So Maybe I'd go him up on the broadcast too, which kind of worried me. Yeah, did, uh, like I, I sent you a text saying, "Stop making Blazer fans like this guy. He's awful." 
and I get it that you can cut him once uh, Thessus comes back, but he's awful. If you're trying to get a post player, get Grant Jarrett. We know what Steamsma is. We have five years of tape on him. If he improved his shot a little, it ain't that much. I want to try someone with potential. So if it's Montero, Quarterman, Jarrett, that's fine. But if we give a roster spot to someone who we already know his potential and his potential shit, don't. Yeah, I mean, I think... I've seen him for a year in New Orleans. He's awful. I think it probably comes down, in my opinion, to to Grant Jarrett or Luis Montero. I think Montero's going to win out in the end. It is the 15th man in the roster. This player is really going to be for locker room and practice purposes. Montero's got the upper hand on both. So... Uh, that's why I think. And you can good. always bring him back. Mm-hmm. It is Montero fully guaranteed. It's partially guaranteed, right? Uh, or what's his contract? Point probably till a certain certain date. Yeah, and then if if for some reason we need another big, you can cut him and then sign him to ten days after that. There's a lot of creative things you can do with this fifteenth spot, so it, it, it's fine. No worries on. Whoever it is at the 15th spot, I'm I'm fine with it. I don't want Steve's but I can handle it because he's a sixth big. All right, buddy. We've been going for quite a while. First opening podcast of the 2016-2017 season. Your boy's got to get up super early tomorrow. Um, So probably going to call it a night. Uh, If you you like what you're hearing, give us that that five-star review on iTunes. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, and SoundCloud um, at Holy Backboard PDX. If you feel the need to send us an email for any reason, shout out to you, Michael Gonzalez. It's HolyBackboardPDX at gmail.com. And as always, we are on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Holy Backboard. Sage, it has been great to get back into the seat with you um, podcasting. Can't wait to start again our weekly routine. Um, Basketball is back. Let just em- embrace that right now. Let's enjoy this. Do not take this feeling for granted. Um, that's all I've got. I mean, let's just go Blazers. I, I cannot wait for this season to start. And let's be honest, our football teams aren't giving us any reason to want football. I don't, even know football. I don't even know what football is. I don't, what sport is that? <laughs> Give me that brown ball, baby. Yeah, definitely. Let's go! Let's go!